Welcome to Hillside Baptist Chapel's weekly Bible study. Please join Dr. Steve Wood every week where we can all collectively grasp a better understanding of God through His Word. This podcast will be published every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Contact information is as follows. Dr. Steve Wood, Pastor, phone or message at 6438-6541, email at Steve rwood002 at gmail.com. Prayer requests can be sent directly to hbcprayerlist2020 at gmail.com. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to our Wednesday evening service, our podcast this night, and uh, we're glad that you can join us and be in church with us tonight from your home. And uh, again, one of these days, hopefully we'll be able to meet at church for our Wednesday evening service, but right now we're not able to do that, and uh, we're thankful that we're able to have this podcast for everyone to worship on Wednesday evening. We have been studying through the book of 1 Corinthians, as you remember, and we've gotten all the way through to the last verse of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and we're going to be looking at this one verse again tonight. I know the last uh, few weeks we've just been looking at one verse each time. Well, when we start chapter 12, we will do something different. We'll be using several different verses as we uh, look at a subject that we're going to be covering in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 for next week. I mean, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 14 next week. But tonight we're looking at 1 Corinthians 13, 13. And this scripture says this, Now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Our Father, as we come to you again tonight, we are so very thankful for your word that we can look at, that we can understand, that we can use in our lives, and I pray that your blessings would be upon each one that's under the sound of my voice tonight, and I pray that we might be able to glean something that would be beneficial and helpful for us as we go through the rest of this week and on in our lives. And again, Father, thank you for our church, Hillside Baptist Chapel. And I pray that your blessings would be upon our services this next Sunday as we meet together. But right now, I ask your blessings on this service in our podcast. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. All right, tonight as we look at these things, our focus today is to identify clearly how we can trust God. How we can trust God. Remember, we have been looking at the spiritual gifts in chapter 13, and we're looking at especially the gift of love. And of course, that's what we're ending with tonight, the three remaining, faith, hope, and love. Some of the gifts that we've looked at were temporary, weren't they? They weren't made to last until the end of the age or through the church period. These temporary gifts were language, knowledge, and prophecy. But he says these three remain. And we're going to be looking at these three gifts tonight in a little more detail. Trusting God. Trust God with your faith. 
It's easy to say, I trust God in a general sense. When life seems good and our expectations for our lives are high, that's easy, isn't it? But what about when life is on the rough times? When our good life is on the verge of collapse? Here's a question to think about. How do you enjoy the faith you have from God? You see, faith is a gift that God has given us. And crises are a challenge from God to exercise confidence in Him, someone once said. Do you remember the time when Moses was leading the children of Israel and they came to a place called Kadesh Barnea? You're familiar with that, aren't you? Moses at Kadesh Barnea sent a dozen men into the land of Canaan, the land that God was about to give to the Israelites. This is found in Numbers chapter 13, beginning with verse 17, and it continues through Numbers 14, verse 9. And this intelligence team went into the land of Canaan. They were used to bring back information from that land, to find out what things were like. And the reason that they were bringing this information back was so that Moses could develop a battle strategy, gathering intelligence in order to develop a plan of attack was the, the smart thing to do. The fact that God had promised to give them the land did not mean that they were totally passive in taking possession of that land. Think about when Joshua led the Israelites into the conquest. Now I know it's 40 years later, but this would have been the same that God would have done with Moses had the Israelites not said no here at Kadesh Barnea. As Joshua went in, he expected him to do some of the planning, to do some of the strategy, to take responsibility for the conquest. Yes, God had given them the land, but it still took human beings to go and actually carry that out. God would not have given them the land if the Israelites had not been determined to fight for the land. And so Joshua led the Israelites into battle. First of all, as they went around the city of Jericho, of course, God had told them what to do there. And they followed his explicit directions. But on many of the other battles, it was Joshua's plannings. It was Joshua's ingenuity. It was Joshua's ideas that God used to bring about the victory. But they had to have complete reliance on God even as they went into battle even as they used their own swords, even as they used their own energies in taking possession of that land. The challenge was to view everything they saw in light of what God had promised. 
That was true with Joshua. That should have been true with the 12 spies that were sent over into the promised land. As they looked at that land, they should have been thinking about, this is what God is going to give us. This is what God is going to provide for all of us. And as they saw all of these things that they saw, they should have thought, well, God knew about the descendants of Anak, the giants that were in the land, all along. God knew the cities were large and fortified all the time. This is what we find in Exodus 33. God knew that the inhabitants were a strong people. And he said, even with all of this, I'll give you this land. In every crisis through which we pass today, we must decide whether we view it through the eyes of faith or the eyes of the flesh. Faith in God makes great optimists, someone once said, and it's true, isn't it? A poem by Gregory Dawson says this, Doubt sees the obstacles. Faith sees the way. Doubt sees the darkest night. Faith sees the day. Doubt dreads to take a step. Faith soars on high. Doubt questions who believes. Faith answers, I. God had told the Israelites that they were to go in and possess the land and that this was the land that he was giving them. Now as they came back, you remember Joshua and Caleb argued that to reject God's word to them was an act of rebellion. The same idea is brought out by the Apostle Paul when he said, Everything that does not come from faith is sin in Romans 14, verse 23. The writer of Hebrews says, Without faith is impossible to please God in chapter 11, verse 6. The children of Israel experienced a challenge as they listened to the controversy between the spies. Were they going to believe the majority or were they going to believe God? The crises of life often present us with the same challenge. Just because the majority may say it's suicide to trust God doesn't make it so. When you're up for something, whether it's huge or small, it doesn't matter. It is if God, and if God says go, then go is what we must do. God challenges you to do something better. And so you must trust Him that you can do it with confidence. Matthew 28, beginning with verse 18, it says, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. God says go, doesn't he? Therefore, go. It's so sad that 
God had to wait 40 years to give his people, the Israelites, what he had promised them 40 years earlier. The whole faithless generation had to die off before Israel could enter the promised land. And then we need to trust God with our hope. Psalm 37, beginning with verse 5 and then 42, verse 5. The Hallman version says, Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him, and He will act. Make your righteousness shine like the dawn, your justice like the noonday. Be silent before the Lord and wait expectantly for Him. Do not be agitated by one who prospers in his way, by the man who carries out evil plans. Refrain from evil and give up your rage. Do not be agitated. It can only bring harm. For evildoers will be destroyed, but those who put their hope in the Lord will inherit the land. And then verse 5 of chapter 42 says, Why am I so depressed? Why this turmoil within me? Put your hope in God, for I will still praise Him, my Savior and my God. Those people who understood hope were those people that even though they were living in dry times, they were expecting God to act. They are those who experience trouble, discouragement in life, but they wait on the Lord. And only God can save us and give us the kind of hope that we need to live life to the fullest. The question today is, do you put your hope in God? How do you challenge God with your hope? It's as simple as not quitting. Never give up. Our life is always on the battlefront. The enemy is so busy doing things in our life in order to try to get us to quit, to stop doing the Lord's will. He will do everything that He can to throw us off track. He throws those flaming arrows of disappointment, discouragement, and failure, and those personal setbacks at us. He is prepared for the battle, and all He wants is to see us defeated. If we confess to God that truly we can only do what's needed through His strength, His power, His ability. There's no such thing as impossibility. He can work deeply in our lives. Then why quit? We need to surrender all of our heavy loads to Him. And we need to say to God, I'm putting my hope in you. I will continue doing what you want me to do. And I will never give up. I will never give up. I will never quit the fight. Because this is your fight. And then trust in God with your love. The greatest of these, remember, is love. Psalm 42, verses 1 and 2. It says, As the deer paints for streams of water, 
So my soul paints for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? Do you remember the saying, what would Jesus do? A mother was preparing pancakes for her twin boys. And the boys began to argue over who would get the first pancake. Their mother saw an opportunity for a moral lesson. She said, if Jesus were sitting here right now, he would say, let my brother have the first pancake. I can wait. One of the twins turned to his brother and he says, Ryan, you be Jesus. People are always in love. From the pages of the Bible, from cover to cover, the timeless pieces of love is always the same. Love God, love His people, and challenge Him with your decision today that you will surrender only to God and trust Him that you can do everything in your life if you will let Him have first place. Allow Him to be the love of your life. We're all to witness. And as we think about our church, we've gone through some problems as we've faced days when we couldn't meet because of COVID-19 lockdowns. And hopefully those things are behind us. We'll, we'll see whether there's more lockdowns in the future or not. Whether there is or whether there's not, we're going to continue to serve God, aren't we? If we ever do have to have lockdowns on Sunday, just like we've done before, we'll try to meet on Fridays and we'll have podcasts. And those that can't come on Sunday can listen to our podcast on Sunday. I mean, I'm sorry, those that can't come on Friday can listen to our Sunday podcast. As we celebrate our service tonight, our Wednesday evening service, remember and understand that the challenge is always code red. We need to see the message God gave us. John chapter 4 verse 35 says, don't you say there are still four more months and then comes the harvest? Listen to what I'm telling you. Open your eyes and look at the fields, for they are quite ready for harvest. We need to be inviting everyone we can to come to be with us at Hillside Baptist Church. Luke 14, verse 23 says, Go out into the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. Father, I pray today that we'll take the challenge of faith, hope, and love. And we'll be out there reaching people. That we will exercise our faith, our hope, and trust in you. And show you our love by what we do. Thank you for this podcast today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stay tuned for a short weekly editorial with Face to Face with Dr. Fred. Just a little loving 
will go a long way And you'll make me happy the rest of my days Put your arms around me, then I'll be your slave Good evening. Now do not think you have the wrong Dr. Fred's face-to-face comments. You will listen to a most unusual story about what God not only can do, but what God did do and what God is still doing. He does not want his name mentioned so I will not mention his name. You see, he was born without arms, so he learned growing up to do many things with his feet. But when his teenage life developed, he had no arms, but had normal thinking like every teenager. He wanted a girlfriend. That just didn't happen. Because he could do so many things with his feet, the circus wanted him. He had to make a living now. He was 20 years old, but he did not want to be a freak at the circus or a sideshow someplace. And everything else, he was normal. To ask a girl for a date, he had tried that. They were only repulsed by his request. Yes, the older he got, the lonelier he became. He could not get a job of any kind. He loved music, especially gospel music, and he accepted Christ as his Savior. However, even at church, they loved him, but they left him. He was still accepted as a freak of nature. As he became 21, when boys supposedly become men, what could he do without arms? Well, you name it. He could do much with his feet, and he loved people. Dancing is fun, but there's no money in it for him. He would dance and have music in the background, but he became a dancing freak. Suicide was his only way out. God created him, and he could return to God. He could not pull a trigger and kill himself, or take poison would be difficult, as eating was even difficult, as well as toilet use. You just name it. Everything was closed to him. He did love people, however, but... They just did not want to be around him. So it embarrassed them. So suicide was somewhat sad, but what else? So he had it well planned. Dilapidated old building, soon to be torn down, was his choice. No one was ever around. It was desolate. The perfect place to take that final leap and go back to God. Stop me, God, if there's something I can do. He had some friends, but he never told them. If he should, he did not want them to say anything except, I do not blame you, go ahead, and they would never say that. Walking up the creaky stairs 
to the tenth floor, he said out loud, If you have something for me, God, stop me. Everything now was perfect. A voice from a harsh worker said, out of nowhere, What are you doing here? Get out now! He said in a loud, and, and the boys, and the man said, Well, thank you, Lord. And, and the old worker said, I'm not a Lord, now get out of here. The strong, somewhat old worker said, and he meant it. He was rejoicing inside. He knew God had something for him to do. This was a turnabout in his life. He knew without a doubt that God had something for him. Knowing Jesus as his personal Savior, he returned in earnest to church. What man cannot do, God can. Because he loved gospel music, he is leading music in a Baptist church, would you believe that? With his feet. He has much to be thankful. Oh, by the way, he has a beautiful wife and three children. Yes, just a little of it will go a long way. Just a little loving will go a long way. And you'll make me happy the rest of my days. Put your arms around me, then I'll be your slave. Cause just a little loving will go a long way. Thank you, and God bless.